to the Eye on the U podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I am joined, as always, on the other line by Susan Miller-Degnan, our Hurricanes beat writer here at the Herald. Susan, how's it going? It's going very well. How about you, David? Doing all right. You're on vacation, technically, right now. You're coming on. You're putting in overtime right now. <laughs> I, I sure am. I don't even get overtime, and I'm putting in overtime. <laughs> um. <laughs> So yeah, we're it's obviously the off season. Like you said, you're on vacation. We're gonna try to keep doing these maybe every other week or something like that until we get a little closer to the season. Um, we kind of have a decent amount to talk about today. Uh, back half of the episode, we will we'll do some football talk. Um, but there's you know it's just every every time we record one of these, it feels like you as Gregory Rousseau uh, said in an interview. What was it on on the CBS local uh, here? It's the elephant in the room, right? Uh, the coronavirus and how it is affecting college football. Um, Miami has now been back on campus for two weeks. We're recording this Monday, so it's actually exactly two weeks since the first group uh, returned to campus for workouts. Uh, the, we know at least the last eight eight freshmen, nine freshmen, the, the last group of freshmen who had not enrolled are on campus now as well, uh, most of them getting there over the weekend and, and starting classes this week. Um, but it's obviously has not been a good couple of weeks just for the coronavirus, generally in Florida, as uh, cases keep climbing, particularly locally. Um, you know, in Miami-Dade, I think we had a, a record for uh, a single day on Saturday, I want to say. And it's... And today, too, I think. Was it today also? Um, yeah. I, mean, we, I know they've been number one pretty much the whole way. Um, and it is, well, I won't say it's like putting the season in jeopardy yet because this, I mean, it was oh, the season always was in jeopardy because of this. Um, I think as Carlos Jimenez said on the Joe Rose show uh, a couple of days ago, like you're feeling less optimistic now than maybe you were two weeks ago. And I think that's should, where most people should be at at this point. It's definitely where I'm at. Oh, for sure. No doubt. I mean, uh, you know, now it's just, it seems to be changing for the worse, you know? Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a, a record-setting number of cases in Florida. And and even though, uh, you know, Barry Jackson came out with a, with a story this afternoon saying that, you know, Julio Frank has already said and they've been saying this the whole way that they have to see what happens right yeah. uh, I, and that they that you know the door is left open to make a change if he believes it's necessary um and 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 the mayor said the miami-dade mayor said that he's you know he's not not super convinced not convinced that there's going to be a football football can be played so um we have to see what happens, but it certainly does not look promising right now. I mean, I does it, it doesn't to you, does it? No, I'm. I never. So I've always, I would say, probably been a little bit more in the optimistic camp of like they can get sports done in this. Um, you know, obviously, we, I, I do two podcasts. I do this one and our Heat podcast, and obviously, we talked about it over there too. But I was always worried about college football. That was always the one that really. As far as major sports go, college football was the one that I always felt least good about. And I think Barry's story today does a good job of raising a lot of the reasons why. Um, and it's 
because, well, first of all, they're unpaid. You know, there's just that extra level of liability. Like an NBA player is, is taking some risks, sure, but they're also getting rewarded with a $10 million contract. Like, you know, college athletes obviously are not getting that. Um, there's obviously just the, you know, most colleges say they're going to bring people to campus. We'll see. Um, you can't play college football if there's not people on campus. You just can't justify it. But the biggest concern is the fact that unlike the NBA, unlike the NHL, unlike Major League Baseball, where there is like one central governing body that kind of can mandate, you know, every team has to test X times a week. And, you know, there, there has to be a league-wide protocol in there. That is just not the same for the NCAA. Um, and Barry's story that you meant, alluded to does a really good job of illustrating it where, you know, he talked to or you know, reached out to the non-conference schools that Miami opens the season with, uh, Temple, Wagner, and UAB. Is that the last one, I think? Yeah. 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 Um, reached out to all of them and basically asking, you know, what's their protocol, basically? You know, are they going to disclose positive tests? Because obviously that, that's something we'll get to uh, in a little bit here. But schools are – there's no – there's no set protocol that every school has to follow in terms of announcing if players test positive. Um, so Barry reached out to those schools about whether they're going to, you know, let people know, and no one really knows. Like, there's just a lot of non-answers right now. And, and it, if and they're not, yeah, and they're not. The thing is, like you said, uh, Wagner, UAB, and um, you know, and I guess Temple also. I mean, they're not. They've already kind of said that they're not going to. At least Wagner and UAB have. Mm-hmm. They're not going to say whether or not, like w- what they're doing. They're kind of keeping it quiet. Right. And, and the thing that Barry brought up, which is, you know, just so true, is that schools like Wagner and UAB and the smaller schools have less. You know, have smaller budgets. Mm-hmm. They can't. You know, they're not going to be able to afford testing players as regularly as the power five schools do. Right. And, uh, you know, it both, both athletic directors refused to say whether they would even discuss their testing procedures right. and frequency of it with UM, with UM, not even, yeah, not even with the media. Yeah. Like I think you could very easily see maybe the ACC sometime, just for example, sometime before the season starts basically saying, we are going to require every team to test every player on the Thursday before a Saturday game or whatever. Like, so we know who is tested positive by the time kickoff happens. So, so you know, you're not risking that. But, but it's just going to be impossible. Like, is the Sun Belt going to do – like, is, when Miami plays uh, Wagner, who is in, like, the NEAC or something, you know, they're an FCS team, like, is there going to be that same level of – um, you know, is Wagner going to require that conference going to require everyone to take a test on Thursday? And, you know, even if Miami is being diligent about it and, and not sending players out there who are asymptomatic carriers, um, like you're saying, these smaller schools that are on smaller budgets that maybe aren't testing every week, um, you know, they're just not going to catch it. Yeah. And are they going to even, even if they do, I guess they'll have to. If they do, they're gonna have to do something about it, right? Right? I don't know. They're gonna. I guess they're gonna have to. But they. But the thing is, 
like you said, we don't know, and they're and they're not even saying they're not even going to tell UM, and it's just I don't know. The whole thing is kind of nerve wracking. I'd be and it, and it and it, uh, and Greg Rousseau, like you said, he said he had an interview with uh, actually ABC Ten and WPLG's Will Manso, and that's when he said that. And we you know he said mm-hmm. it's definitely like the elephant in the room. We talked about it, but then he doesn't say who we is. Yeah. We meaning the kids, the players. We meaning the coaches and the play. I don't know, but um, yeah, it's really nerve wracking to me. I, I it, 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 you know, I'm, I saw, I just saw a story this weekend, um, a Saturday, that Morehouse College, mm-hmm. um, a very famous historically black college. Um, you know, and their very proud football program it has canceled has canceled the football season. Um, uh, Isaiah Smalls, but, our coworker, oh, former Morehouse defensive back. Right, <laughs> Isaiah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you're obviously. I mean, that's I think the first notable football program. I think, but I mean, you've seen it all over, just with teams. Um, I guess more so cutting sports than just outright saying they're not going to play. But, I mean, there's definitely going to be teams that don't play. Like, it's – I have a hard time envisioning that every single team in the Division One level, you know, maybe every FBS team plays, but, you know, is Wagner going to play? They're an FCS school in Staten Island, like, right in the middle of, like, you know, obviously New York's in better shape now, but that – I mean, there's a reason they had the worst outbreak at the start of it. They're just – poised to have a big outbreak because of how many people live in New York City. Because Wagner going to play football? Like, I'm sure their plan right now is to play football, but in a month, who knows? Um, which and why... I, I don't know. And that's why, David, I, like all of us are talking about this. No, mm-hmm. You know, all the writers and stuff, nobody, nobody really is feeling confident or sure. Well, nobody's sure, but I mean, even feeling confident. Yeah. Even feeling confident. Yeah. Something something's gonna happen. I don't know what. Mm-hmm. I I mean, and that's why they're. I feel really bad for the powers that be. I, I do feel bad um, for all these people. Um, you know the the athletic directors and all that. Um, somebody, I, where did I just read where, where some schools? I don't think it was Barry's story, but that that the 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 parents were complaining and saying that, um, well, there's, there's no uniformity. Like there's, right. and that's the whole problem. It's, and, yeah. Yeah, that's, what, that's what you're saying. There's no, the NC, everybody's doing their own thing. So it's like, uh, oh, here, it was his story. It was, um, even among power five schools, right. everything is different. The regularity of tests. Even within they, the conferences of a Notre Dame cornerback. She told the Washington Post that her son is her son's school is uh, doing it well, but the Fighting Irish opened the season against Arkansas, which is, listen to this, which is testing players only if they show symptoms <laughs> yeah. or if they know they were in close proximity to an infected person. But we all know that really young people now, teenagers, young 20s, they're very asymptomatic and older also. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be, like, that's why if college football is going to happen this year, it feels like it's going to have to be 
you know, either the NCAA, which, you know, usually doesn't necessarily like have this kind of authority in the regular season to just like mandate that every school does something, but like either the NCAA is going to have to come out and set a nationwide test protocol, or you're going to probably, or you're going to potentially just see a lot of non-conference games not happen. Um, because again, the ACC could mandate something like they could basically say to play in an ACC game, every team needs to test, um, you know, two nights before the game or whatever, so he can get test results back and know who's there. Conference games, right? Right, just for the conference games. So, like, that's the way you can make it happen. It's The the non-conference games are the ones that I think, in particular, like we're saying, the non-conference games against schools and smaller conferences that that maybe just don't have the financial infrastructure in place to pay for tests. Like, Miami's fourth non-conference game is against Michigan State. And I'm sure the Big Ten and ACC will ultimately have pretty similar test pro- – like, if they if, – if we get to that point, I'm sure the Big Ten and the ACC will both sort of have a, a, a rule in place where there's, you know, some sort of testing required where maybe that game can happen. But like you're saying, those, those smaller schools that they play uh, in the first three games of the season, like, that's, that's going to be tricky. And especially – Yeah, I could – with the money, you mm-hmm. know, that Miami pays those schools – the small schools – um, I can see the game getting canceled and Miami getting sued or something. I don't know. I, <laughs> like Arkansas I, I, State I, all over again? Like, what was that? Arkansas, Arkansas State? State was yeah. that the it was the hurricane, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, we mentioned, obviously, every school having a different protocol with regards to not just what they do on campus, but also whether they're announcing that the people have tested positive, not naming specific names again, like, but obviously we've seen Clemson, LSU, Texas, um, uh-huh. all kind of saying, you know, I, I believe announcing, or at least like telling reporters, we have X players who are in, tested positive or in isolation, yada, yada, yada. Miami is very much not doing that right now. Um, last week I was at an event on campus and, uh, Ray Lewis was there giving out, you know, donating some masks and some some hand sanitizer to the university's athletic department. Um, and I asked Blake James if, if there had been any positive tests um, since athletes returned. And he just said, we're not going to comment on that. Um, is that a big deal to you? I've seen definitely like kind of mixed opinions on whether um, it matters. I think it's wrong. I think they should say. I, I agree. Uh, I'm not like totally like. This is terrible, but I think they should, and and I think it's yeah, it's important. wrong. I mean, yeah. that people, sh- I, I think people should know because they're not in a vacuum. Right, exactly. I, for myself, if you want to know the truth, I mean, for myself, I'm an older reporter, and I would like to know if thirteen kids or whatever, right, or twenty eight kids or or. 10 kids or five kids tested positive because I have to go in there and interview the other ones. And come on, they're all near each other, David. Right. They're all, yeah, all like, week long. I mean, no matter what they say, they're, they're, I understand. Believe right. Me, I, like I went to campus for that event. Um, cause again, you're on vacation, but that's an event that theoretically you might've covered last week. Um, and you didn't know, I mean, if you had heard that, Miami had 30 positive tests and there was clearly like a little yeah. outbreak going on. You would not have gone to campus, right? Like even though you don't right. go in the building, like you're near Blake James 
and you know, and Carter Tool, the PR guy, who have been near someone who is near someone who you know, you just don't know. It's you, yeah. I, I mean, it, it's it's scary for all of us, right? Uh, they're all. I think it, I think we have the right to know. Um, I mean, fans. I fans aren't really affected, but you know what? You know what? If I'm the mother, I, I a parent of a player, I want to know. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, it matters also just like simply from a football standpoint where it's like you, it's like weirdly like an important attribute for teams this year is going to be how well they stop an outbreak from happening in the middle of the season. Because again, like if Clemson had what they had 30 kids, I think in isolation, if that happens in week three, that's like a quarter or a third of the roster missing for two weeks. Like, we there's like a football reason for this, too. <laughs> it could be a, an entire offensive line. Or, right. uh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. it's just, this year is just so weird. It's not, it doesn't feel like it's going to be, there's something about it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, it's like one of those asterisk yeah. years. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I think I saw, uh, <laughs> I, I wish I remember who tweeted this, um, but basically, like, it was like, who cares that the NBA champion is going to have an asterisk this year? The whole year of 2020 is going to have an asterisk. Yeah, totally agree. Mm-hmm. And another another thing that kind of it doesn't have to do with UM per se, but with college football, is that the Orange Bowl is set to have the national championship this season. Yeah. What about? I mean, they finally waited and waited and waited and waited <laughs> that the, uh, the 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 college football playoff national championship. They've had a couple, at least a couple of semis, but this was their big year. And now, I don't know. It doesn't like we're saying. Who knows? Will there be fans? And yeah. you know, Barry brought this up too in his buzz column. Just uh, what if there are no fans at Hard Rock Stadium? Can you imagine all the money that they'll lose? Or even if, I mean, they, they'll they lose money, Yeah. okay? And he was saying maybe they'll have a case to, you know, be awarded another national title game sooner than they would have normally. But mm-hmm. it's really a bummer because they work so hard putting this together. It just seems to affect every part of life. Yeah, and obviously we're hit, you know, we've been hit hard in Florida Harder than, you know, most other yeah. states because of how important, like, the tourism and the beaches. And, yeah, who's like, going to come in the hotels? Yeah, like, the whole community is, you know, feeling the brunt of this. It's way more than just football, but but obviously the football is a big part of it, too. Like, we just hosted the Super Bowl. Like, you know, that's part of living in, you know, business in Miami involves having people come to Miami. Um, and it sucks. Yeah. Yeah, these are, like, celebrations of whatever, so... Mm-hmm. At least they had the Super Bowl. Yeah, which probably spread the coronavirus, like now that we know more, right? Who knows, but yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, every time I think of the places I've been to, like in February, and you know what I mean, when we were just, we were hearing about it in China and just starting to discuss it and wondering how badly it would hit here and and I think, oh, my God, I, I went to a concert, let's say, yeah. the first weekend of February, now that I think of, or March. I went to a co- concert, <laughs> I think, March 7th in Fort Lauderdale. 
and and it's it's a miracle. Yeah, I was at the Heat game the night when the NBA shut down, so that's uh, it was like oh a wake God. up call. Anyway, anyway, it's just an evolving situation. Yeah, and I think that's the one thing Miami has done really well. That uh, not to like name other athletic directors and stuff and other coaches. Miami has done a really good job, you know, from Julio Frank on down, you know, Manny Diaz, the coordinators. Anytime anyone gets asked, like, sort of, like, what's your opinion? Like, what do you think we're going to play college football? Do you think uh, we're going to have fans? They, For the most part, they always defer to, like, we're not the experts on this. Listen to the people who know more. Um, and yeah, I think it's been smart. done except for you know be candid about how many people yeah. have coronavirus uh, and 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 I would like to know the teams because like I said I you know it affects other people too not a lot but sure it does yeah and as we I mean once we get closer to the season it almost feels like they're going to have to because again like you're saying it um, that's just how contact tracing works right it's just like you're supposed to know where the outbreaks are All right, uh, let's wrap up with some actual football talk. We've actually got like kind of a handful of different topics that have come about in the last two weeks since we last recorded. Um, we can go a couple of different. Let's start with uh, the Navon Donaldson news. Uh, he's redshirt uh, announced. He's redshirting for the 2020 season. Um, uh-huh. Coming off a knee injury, uh, he was already ruled out for the spring. So. Um, you know, he, it's not like he missed that opportunity to rehab, but obviously just, I'm sure this threw off his overall rehab plans. He didn't specifically cite the injury when he talked about why he's rehabbing. He's just kind of vague, like doing to take care of himself basically. Um, but I have to imagine factored in some manner. Um, what, what, what are your kind of thoughts on Navon sitting out 2020 and I guess theoretically coming back to, to play as a redshirt senior in 2021. I, uh, I think it's, he's smart. I, I really don't think he had a choice, much of a choice. Um, he obviously he had a major knee injury. Mm-hmm. Um, there had to be some ligaments involved. I mean, he had this massive, one of those really big braces that run the whole leg and with the metal and all that. And, in the bowl game, he had he was on the sideline with one. Right. And, um, I, I, I mean, he he didn't hardly anybody practice in the spring, but <laughs> he obviously wouldn't be ready. And uh, this, you know, gives him a whole season to to get in shape. Well, a season, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. it gives us. A year or whatever it is to get in shape, yeah. and uh, I don't—he'd be—he'd be in trouble if he—if he tried, and he might not win. He just wasn't ready, David. I think he needed to do this, and uh, he can play. Um, I mean, he can play the four games and still redshirt, right? Uh, yeah. So he could potentially come back. Like, let's say he's still rehabbing that injury early in the year, he could potentially play the last couple games. Um, you know, once he gets up to a hundred percent, the last four games, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's 
that's a lot. I mean, knowing he's going to redshirt, that's a, that's a really good thing. So, um, you know, get his, you know, get his feet wet again. Um, I, I know we were talking before about Zach McLeod. I, it's a totally different situation. Um, it's totally different, but it's, I mean, it's a similar idea of, you know, my, an older player who's good, who's talented. Mm-hmm. He's uh, maybe, you know, he's trying to maximize his career basically. Right. Like, and get, and get it, probably get a degree too. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's good in a lot of ways. It's really smart. Now it's also taking a gamble, but everybody has to compete, you know? At every position, so you know, you you think the kid was an All American in high school? Really I good as a freshman. I think he was a freshman All American. Yeah. He started from his first day. I I, I remember he, from day one. Wait, first day of spring, right? Starting. Yeah, first day of spring, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, he's obviously got a ton of potential, and he's kind of. Uh, he has not maximized it, but he's like hit on it sometimes, right? Like sometimes he looks like an all, I mean, he was a freshman all American, like we said, like, um, you know, he was a guy who probably after that freshman year, you were thinking, you know, he's three years and gone. And, and now he might, you know, who knows if maybe, you know, maybe he does the Derek King thing and, and transfers, but, but in all likelihood, he's going to be in Miami five years. Um, he could do that by the way. Yeah. I mean, uh, nothing would surprise me. That's like the other. That's the thing. other reason. It's it's kind of a good move. Yeah. Because yeah. then he has the option. If he realizes it's not going to work out here, he can go somewhere else. Well, or just start right away. It's a very good move, actually. Yeah. As we noted, like the depth. I think we talked about this on when we talked about Jared Williams transferring, which I think probably to a degree was sort of the like nail in the coffin for Navon. Um, in terms of like deciding to redshirt because that's just another starter locked in. Um, uh-huh. but I mean, the offensive line group is, is way, way, way deeper than it was like eight months ago. Um, between Jared Williams, you know, Jalen Rivers coming in as a, as a freshman, um, Isaiah Walker coming in as a, as a transfer probably has to sit out this year. Um, you know, Zion Nelson and, and Ja'Kai Clark for all their struggles, like they exceeded like sort of the expectations you probably had for them. Coming in as, you know, two, like, low three-star prospects or who were not, you know, thought to be day one starters. So, I mean, right. that, that tackle room, like, I know Navon plays guard and tackle, and, and I would think guard is where he would wind up in 2021. But, like, between Jalen Rivers, Isaiah Walker, um, you know, DJ Scape would still be back for one more year unless he, he left early. Uh, Corey Gaynor, I think, would be back. Like, there's just a lot of, a lot of bodies, and... I mean, you have a chance for that 2021 offensive line to be pretty good. Um, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe the 2020 offensive line is not as good as you, you thought it was maybe going to be if you're a Navon believer. But, um, yeah, for Navon's, like, own personal reasons, it, it makes sense, I think. Um, you know, unless he thought he was going to have a breakout year and potentially, like, be an NFL draft pick this year, which, you know, the fact that he's redshirting seems to suggest that uh, – that probably wasn't what he was expecting. After an injury like that. Yeah, after an injury like that, he's had issues like with staying in shape. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. if this actually is like he, I think what he said is like to take care of me was the reason he's redshirting. If he's actually going to like try to get 
you know, his injury in order, get his fitness yep. in order, get, you know, just all of his like off field, whatever in order and come back stronger as a, as a redshirt senior, then it benefits everyone. Yeah. He seems like a pretty mature kid. I like to remember when we interviewed him when he was playing all kinds of, wasn't he practicing at center? He was the backup center? center in the spring, last yeah. spring, I think. Yeah, he was, um, yeah, it was fun talking to him. So, yeah, yeah I'm glad he's doing that. Yeah, it makes, it'll make, uh, it kind of makes the, I mean, the offensive line maybe not as good in 2020, but it makes it interesting with a lot of guys who are, are going to be competing for spots still. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I kind of penciled Navon in as a likely starter, whether it was going to be at right tackle or right guard or left guard, and, and now it's just another opportunity for, um, you know, one of the young guys to, to kind of emerge. Um, yeah, let's just hope uh, they're, they're, you know, bodyguards for De'Ara King. Let's hope this season gets off. Uh-huh. Um, I also got to ask Ray Lewis a couple of Miami questions at that event I mentioned. Um, uh-huh. yeah, he's pretty optimistic, but that's Ray Lewis, right? He's just like always, uh, you know, he, he's very Ray Lewis when you talk, when you ask him questions, right? Like, yeah. He's just fired up about things. He's excited about Ed Reed, obviously. Um, <laughs> right. Anything uh, you, you see? Anything that stood out to you from what he was saying? I mean, it, see, I haven't talked to him probably as much as you have, but he basically gave exactly the answers I expected Ray Lewis to give. Yeah, he's he's especially I mean, when he's on campus. Pumped. He's pumped, but Ray's you know he's like a you know like a motivational speaker yeah. kind of guy. Well, yeah, the thing I, I think he thinks a lot of the same things that a lot of Miami fans do, do, where, like, the thing they like, even if it doesn't work, the thing they like is the, that Manny's just, like, always trying to change things up, right? Like, Yep. Um, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a Manny fan. I'll, I'll stay a Manny, Manny Diaz fan until I see, you know, until I'm convinced otherwise. So. You know, he's had, he's had, you know, he, he needs another shot here yeah. this year, but this might not be the, this might not be the year. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a tough year for it to be your, like, one last shot. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, this, I don't know, I, I think this season is going to be, like, I don't know how you can Yeah, it's, anything, it's, like, hard to count right? anything. Yeah, season, I can't, I just can't even... Yeah, I, it's just too weird. Yeah. Um, uh, do you want to talk a little bit of recruiting? I know you're not the always a, the recruiting guru, so do you want to ask me a couple of recruiting questions? Because it has been um, a pretty right? good couple of weeks on the trail for Miami. Um, I wrote a story maybe two weeks ago now about how good they've done at Northwestern, Miami Northwestern, which is you know has a chance to be the best team in Florida this coming year. Um, uh-huh. They've got... What, I think four kids committed from there right now. I think there's a pretty good chance they had a fifth in um, in the next couple of weeks. Um, and uh, what's been standing out to you as a uh, you know someone who's like I said not not the biggest recruiting follower, but obviously has to pay attention to it. Yeah, of course. Well, I know there's a, there's a lot of talk now. I mean, uh, about um, Jake Garcia. Yeah. Um, 
and people are talking about him maybe flipping possibly or something from USC. Mm-hmm. He's committed to USC, to Miami. Um, what do you think? Do you think it's a possibility? Uh, I think Miami would really love to get him. Everybody is – the thing is, David, I – like, I'm, a, I'm not saying kids aren't great or whatever, but I've just been, there's so yeah, many yeah. classes where people, they you know, they're the best in the world, they're the best in the universe, and mm-hmm. then, you know, a flop. And I, look, I I don't want to, I mean, I all, I all I can think of is Tate Martell last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People yeah. went crazy over him, and he, you know, and he was always a nice, very nice to us and everything, but I just... I don't. I don't get as excited. I get excited on signing day. It's really right, exciting it's, on yeah. signing day. I have to admit, I'm I'm all into it and I'm all like uh, optimistic. But I, I don't know. Yeah. So I, as I, far as Jake Garcia goes, so Miami is in this. It's a weird cycle. It's been written about. Uh, Bud Elliott at Twenty Four Seven Sports has done a really good job cataloging just how weird this recruiting cycle has been because of COVID nineteen where just way more kids are committed at this point than they were at this time last year. Like hundreds more commitments have happened because no one knows where they're going to be able to visit schools. Um, No one knows when teams are going to be able to come and watch them practice or play. Um, So they want to kind of lock in their spots and they want to commit and make sure they have a home. Um, So the quarterbacks in particular have like, there are like no top quarterbacks still available. I don't know the exact numbers, but pretty much every like four or five star quarterback is already committed somewhere. Um, that includes Jake Garcia, who's definitely Miami's top quarterback target right now. Jalen Milrow from Texas is another uh, four star guy they like. Who's he's committed to Texas um, and from Texas. Jake Garcia is committed to USC from California. Um, and then the other, you know, they could always go like off the board. There's. Uh, I think Andrew Ivins today wrote about Jay Allen, who's a uh, is from like the Fort Pierce area, um, who is a baseball. He's committed to Florida for baseball, um, but like they're not sure if he'll be able to play to play football there. Also, he could be like a kind of interesting quarterback option potentially down the road for Miami. Um, obviously, who also has a good baseball program, but Jake Garcia is clearly like number one and. Miami has been on him for a really long time. Like, it's not like they're just, you know, they're out of options, so they're going to try to get this guy randomly from California. He came to campus last year, like pretty much about exactly a year ago, um, for like one of those, like, you know, the camps they do throughout June. Um, paid his own way. You know, he was, wasn't an official visit. He flew all the way from California to Miami with his dad, um, you know, to visit the school. Um and I remember at one of the – I wonder if I could find this story. I probably could. Um, but I remember at you know at the camp, he was not competing at the camp. It was like a seven-on-seven tournament. But he was there watching, you know, hanging out with, um, with all the coaches. And, like, during the intermission, like during the lunch break that they do, like in the early <laughs> afternoon, he right. threw. He, like, threw, did like a – they got a couple of maybe I don't remember who they they got a couple of Miami commits to like run routes for him and um you know he was throwing passes and, and Dan Enos was standing right behind him. Um and they it was like really you know, this this happens a lot where like a coach will work out a, a guy at a camp one on one um to get to you know, 
get a closer look and just also to like kind of build that relationship. But this was really like everyone was there watching him. Like every Miami coach had like kind of gathered around. Um, uh, there were, I can't remember, some other commits, you know, were there hanging out. And like, I, I want to say Don Chaney was there like trying to, you know, everyone was making their pitch to, to Jake Garcia. Um, and then a couple of weeks, you know, maybe a month or so later, he ends up committing to USC, that, you know, which is the hometown school. But obviously, like, you know, he has an affinity for Miami. He paid his own way to come visit uh, last year. He's got a relationship with a lot of the coaches, even though Enos isn't there. And he's got a relationship with a lot of the recruits, um, you know, who were there at that camp that day and, and trying to get him on board. Um, and then, of course, you know, USC is in a, uh, like, not great situation either, right? Like, they're, they're, Clay Hilton's always on the hot seat. So, um, you know, I don't think it's, like, crazy to think that Miami could get him in the fold. Like, I, I don't know if, like, it's a better than 50% chance right now, but, like, it's definitely a chance. Like, I, I'm a believer in that, that Miami can reel him in. Yeah, Miami. Yeah, Miami can reel in a lot of uh I think big name, big name quarterbacks, and it, but in this world now, it's just uh, well, he's, and he's got all the uh, there's the the California Miami Miami California quarterback tradition. Like I used, I think it was a couple of the I know, I know Brad Kaya uh, was tweeting at Jake Garcia. Um, <laughs> Who, who's right. the other? Who's the other California quarterback from Miami? Ken Dorsey. Was it? I can't remember if it was Ken Dorsey who was in there also tweeting at him. It was someone else. No, I wish I could I don't remember. Know. I mean, they California. You know, it's all of them, right? Yeah, they. Yeah, California is. Uh, they've gone with California. Also, um, yeah, there's there's a few other there's other ones too. I don't think they've all worked out, but. Um, yeah, I mean, Kyle they, Wright's from there, but but yeah, I mean they had the there was the yeah, but yeah, everyone I mean, they're they're really they're they're pushing as hard as they can to get uh, Jake Garcia on board. Like it won't be for lack of trying, right? And maybe they'll get him. Who knows? Who knows? I mean that right now they have a lot of like Gino Toretta. Gino Toretta was the other one who tweeted at him. Oh, Toretta! There, there you yeah. go. Yeah, Toretta, Heisman Trophy winner. Yep. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think the quarterback situation, again, just because we don't know what's going to happen, you know, this year, but I think the quarterback situation is I, the Nikosi Perry thing. I keep wondering, you know, I know I'm changing the subject, but how long will he stay there? Will he right. just, yeah, I mean, theoretically, you're in, in decent shape for 2021, even after D.R. King graduates. Because you have Tyler Van Dyke, you still have Nikosi, and you still have Tate Martell. All of eligibility left for 2021. Um, it's just you got to get a quarterback in every class, and you want to get a four or five star guy ideally in every class. So like, uh, like that Jay Allen kid is, is pretty intriguing. Um, especially, you know, I love a two sport athlete. Um, right. And he's a, he's a Florida, you know, local ish guy. Um, like I said, Fort Pierce, I think. Um, so there are options out there, but but Jake Garcia is you know clearly number one, number one, number one, and I think there's a chance more so than I do with like a guy like Jalen Milrow, who's from Texas and committed to Texas, and Texas is you know pretty stable as a as a program at this point. Um, I, th- I think you can get the California guy to come to Miami. Yeah, I you know 
Um, I, I, speaking, I hope he does. Speaking of quarterbacks, Jaron Williams has a new home. Um, we missed this, you know, because we didn't record last week. Um, but he is headed to Garden City Community College, um, a very good JUCO program. But obviously, kind of interesting. He winds up at a, a JUCO, considering he yeah. was the starting quarterback for Miami for like most of the year. And who, in their right mind, could have imagined after the Louis- after the Louisville game where he breaks the single Aaron game touchdown record? Has transferred to a really good community college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, just. Crazy, yeah. right? I, mean, I kind of get. I, I, I get crazy. it. I, because yes, you can go right from the. You can go right to the. You know, if if he were if he were to get drafted, or he could sign a free agent contract. You know, undrafted well, actually, free agent it's, contract it's, after this year. Because if if they play, if they play their season or whatever at Garden City Community College, you know, you know he's going to be the. How could he not? You know he's going to be really. I would think he's going to be really good. I shouldn't say you know. Right. Uh, the kid's very talented. I think uh, it's, a, it's actually has, the Jack Allison uh, path, where right you transfer from Miami to a JUCO, spend a year there, then latch on somewhere else. Um, obviously, Allison wound up at West Virginia, but I mean that's that's the yes, yes, guys yes, do that. I see that. Guys do that, and especially this year, like you're saying, where there's so much uncertainty. I think it's harder probably to find a transfer destination right now. Um, yes. Well, obviously you can't visit like, you know, uh, it just kind of lets him regroup. And he, and like you're saying, he's a guy with so much talent and I don't even know if I would call it off the field stuff that slows him down, but just like, um, you know, non-football stuff. Like, you know, he, he clearly gets in his own head a little bit and, um, you know, going to a Juco and just kind of resetting isn't the worst idea, I don't think. Yeah, I think there were some off-the-field issues, by the way. Well, yeah, I he clearly, like, that... you know, he's gotten suspended and stuff before, but, like... Yeah, yeah. there was some stuff there, uh, but... Attitude I mean, stuff, I would say. so more. weird that he's going to a community college in Kansas. It's just, <laughs> you know, he's from Georgia. It's just yeah. the whole thing. I hope, I know he's soured with the media or whatever, but I, I hope he does well. I wish him nothing, you know... I was I was a fan of Jaron. This has Williams, always been a pro know? Jaron Williams podcast. What what was that? This has always been a pro Jaron Williams podcast. Yeah, I mean always. I always. Mean, I, 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 <laughs> we thought Mark Rick should have given him a shot, and he didn't. And yeah. uh, but he he did get a shot. That's for sure. He got more than one shot, and yeah. um, you know we you can't blame anybody but him. Yeah. So. All right, I yeah. think we can wrap things up there. Um, well, are you working on anything right now? You're on vacation, so I guess not. Working on um, <laughs> on on being calm. Yeah, you can follow <laughs> Susan on Twitter at smillerdegnan. She's digging through her closets and, and tweeting out some good stuff. So, uh, oh, I oh yeah, I should. You wouldn't believe the articles I found. Wow, I I just I could I just put them back in the box. Yes. I, I clean everything else out because I just I can't help but read everyone, mm-hmm. and it's very hard for me to toss them. Yeah, so if and you're looking for a nostalgia trip, check out Susan's Twitter feed. <laughs> it's kind of depressing nostalgia <laughs> trip. But. 
Um, you can follow me right. on Twitter at dbwilson2. Um, I'm working. I have a story coming sometime this week. I talked to Lee Kaplan, Miami medical director, team doctor, um, just about how it's kind of gone so far with bringing guys back to campus. Um, and, you know, some of the, some of the like lingering topics, questions that are still out there. I also have a story coming later this week. I checked in with Kendrick Norton. It's been a year since his uh, accident, um, which caused him to lose oh, his left arm. Really? So, so, yeah, wow. I'll, I'll have a story coming one, later this week um, about what he's up to and um, inspiring guy, obviously. Like, an unbelievably good attitude about life, considering what happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, what a shame, right? Yeah. All right, I think we can wrap up there. Um, Thanks, as always, for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you guys uh, at some point here in the next couple weeks. Everybody be safe. Yeah, wear a mask so we can play college football. Yes, please.